This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Oh, goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he plays. Oh, he's the worst. What's he up the right sideline? Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello. Welcome to. Welcome back to. Oh, no. The Republic of Football. Uh oh. We have technical difficulties right now? Yes. How do we have the power pull up? <laughs> I'm trying anyway, to get down. for the audio listeners, I'm gonna keep doing this. Uh, we're back, public of football. Oh, there I am. Hi. Pretend like you didn't see that. <laughs> audio listeners are gonna be like, "What are you talking about?" Anyway, uh, I am your college editor, Ishmael Johnson. It's New Year, 2023, so therefore I transition to my new role. Someone who somewhat transitions to a new role, kind of just an added title, is our senior college writer, Mike Craven. Nice, t- nice and tan yeah. from Arizona. Nice and tan. <laughs> it rained three out of the five days I was there. It wasn't your typical Arizona sunshine state trip, uh, but it was fun. Arizona's a, a great place. I love that state. Yeah. And over there, making sure we're back on track. Sort of. Is everyone's favorite Mal Pal. One year older around the sun. <laughs> Mallory. Hey. <laughs> One year older. Yes, correct. <laughs> uh, happy late birthday, by Thanks. the way. Thanks. Yeah, happy birthday. Thanks. Um, so. 20. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Fresh out 24. Of high school hired, I guess. <laughs> um, 24. There you go. So, uh, as you guys know, we're still playing football around here. TCU. My God. Yeah. Uh, Craven, Craven was there takes on a hand deep breath. Fiesta Bowl. The, the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. The Verbo Fiesta Bowl. does not feel right. Uh, Tostitos RIP. Um, it'll always be Tostitos to me. Yes. Um, Regardless, that's what we're going to be talking about in the latter half. We do got some headlines, one that just dropped a couple hours ago. Uh, so we'll get right into that. And, of course, we've been off air since before state championships, so we got some news. North Texas, of course, made a hire. There's been a bunch of transfer stuff going on. A signing day happened, all that stuff. We're not going to get to all of it, but we're going to try to really overarch and just try to get a big net before we get into TCU, Georgia, in the national championship game. So let's go with the news that just dropped today. Or, I guess, uh, reported news, right? It's not official yet. They haven't announced it, but everybody's looking. Everybody's reporting the same thing. Texas A&M is making a offensive coordinator hire. There's, that's, that's what was reported uh, after the season ended, was that Jimbo was going to be given play-calling duties to this new coordinator. It was, a, it was kind of a see-it-before-you-believe-it type <laughs> of thing in many ways. <laughs> and uh, one name that surfaced early that people were like, no. Nah, no, it can't be, right? Bobby Petrino. Um, <laughs> we thought he was out of the running yeah. when he took the job at uh, UNLV to be the offensive coordinator. And uh, nope, nope. Turns out he's taking a detour right away, right back to College Station. Uh, UNLV finalized that deal. He was announced. He was officially hired by them. And uh, news reported today uh, by ESPN First that, yeah, uh, he's coming to College Station. So... With the um, way that they uh, <laughs> negotiate contracts, he probably got a billion dollars. You know, like, <laughs> hey, if I go hang out in Vegas for a couple of weeks, right. no, there's no telling what I can get out of right. a Can I get a fully guaranteed yeah. contract? Yeah, hundred million dollars fully guaranteed. OC. 
So now there's going to be a fight on the sidelines. Oh my god, seriously. So it's just wild. Let's let's talk about those it. are some personalities. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> to it, say right? it lightly. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Bobby yeah. Petrino working under Jimbo Fisher. Oh man, could be great. Could be awful. Right. Either way is awesome. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. First, let's go on the field. Right. Let's get the obvious out of the way. Bobby Petrino knows football. Right. Mm-hmm. I would say one of the top five offensive minds of the last twenty years. Right. 100%. There's a reason why Lamar Jackson fits so well mm-hmm. at Louisville. Yep. There's a reason why Arkansas was really good before he had to – we'll get to why he had to leave. <laughs> but before he had to leave and why Arkansas just now is kind of coming back up to that. Um, before that, Louisville again, right? Was Louisville? Yeah, right? Louisville. First, first stop was Louisville. Uh, the Brahms, of course, those offenses under those guys, they were mm-hmm. like a sleeper national title contender every year it seemed like before they lost like one game in the Big East and kind of knocked them out. But there's a reason why he got the Falcons job at one point, right? So if he if if that all works out, sure, Jimbo Fisher potentially hired a pretty good play caller. Now let's talk about the other stuff. Yeah, there <laughs> is some other. Why stuff. Why was he at Missouri State the past <laughs> couple of years, Mike Craven? Yeah, so you know, for people who don't know, 2012, he was fired from Arkansas. He was in a motorcycle crash. He had a female staffer with him. It, it came out later that he had lied about the relationship he had with that female staffer uh, while being married. I think Bobby Petrino is known around the industry as an excellent offensive mind, an incredible head coach, and also somebody who doesn't exit places very well. Right. Um, and so he did that with Atlanta, where he kind of left in the middle of the year, uh, left without a you know with a couple games left when they were still in playoff contention. Um, some of that was the Mike Vick stuff and, I was about and say, the legal he, he troubles. Went the, he that, went there to coach Mike Vick. Mike and, Vick wasn't there. Right. Or, you know. um, and so I think he's just I – don't, I don't think Bobby's known as a bad guy. Right. He's just known as a character, you know, as somebody who's going to do his own thing, kind of flies by his own uh, set of rules. And, and it's going to be interesting, you know, with another headstrong, stubborn uh, head coach that's an offensive play caller who, who made his bones kind of the same way, how do they – interact how well do they do especially after the first couple three and outs sure. uh, i think on the football field it was obvious that a&m had to do something mm-hmm. i mean that offense last year you know was really was really really bad you look at some of the numbers and they're in the 90s to the hundreds and pretty much everything 6.3 yards per passing attempt was 110th in that in the fbs their third down conversion percentage was 103rd they're 96th in yards per game mm-hmm. They're 22 points a game. We're 97th in the nation. So they had to do something offensively. I believe in Bobby Petrino's ability to score points. He was scoring points at Southwestern Missouri State, you know, against really good football teams, right? Sure, sure. And so they're going to score some points. He's got a lot of talent to work with there, especially if they can fix the offensive line. Uh, but you add DJ Durkin, you add Bobby Petrino, um, and it just – it's just an interesting coaching staff. <laughs> I don't I don't know how else to say it. It's just, it's just – a. Jimbo's definitely coaching for his his life yeah. next right. year. Yes. Like it's win or go home. I right. mean, you know, it's you're going home with a lot of money, tires, but you're still yeah. winning or going home, and, and there's pride on the line. I think he's hiring guys who he thinks are the best guys, regardless of how anybody feels about it. And frankly, mm-hmm. the A and M market and the A and M media market is one where you can exist in that kind of bubble. And so, right. uh, it's a place where you can be insular and do whatever you want, and kind of shut the doors on any of that outside noise. And so, we'll see if it's a gamble that pays off. But they're going to be in the news cycle. Uh, people are going to talk about this for the next week or so. And then when things don't – my my biggest thing is, like, what happens September 24th mm-hmm. when you're playing against Ole Miss and you go three and out a couple times or you're losing 17-3. to three, right. Is you Jimbo going to try and rip that back? Right. You know, well, like, he Gary Patterson this thing. Right. And so Bobby Petrino is not a guy that you're going to do that to. Right. You know, right. Daryl Dickey's more in line with the guy that you're going to do that to. Right? Like – 
And so mm-hmm. Bobby Petrino's got enough skins on the wall where he's going to look back at that guy and be like, I'm better offensive play caller than you are. I was yeah. going to say, Craig, I'm going to pull at you real quick and say, you know, you're not, you know how they say you're not supposed to date somebody who's like, if you're, if you're very strong headed, you're, right. you're not going to date somebody who's very strong headed, right? right? Because you're just, you're just going to do this and you're going to last like a month. Mm-hmm. You know, you're supposed to date somebody <laughs> who is, if you're strong headed, you're supposed to be soft. headed. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like, well, yeah, how is that going to work? Like, just right. Exactly. I think it's going to work really well as long as they score points. Sure. Yeah, right. It, it's going to be it's going to be those games or those moments, those drives where as a head coach, you're used to having all that responsibility on you. Right. And now you got to look down at Bobby to see if he's calling plays and like what you, he like, you know, and so. I think that's going to be hard. You sure. know, like when they're right. blowing out Sam Houston, everybody's going to be happy. Right. Uh, when they're in a, you know, 10 to 7 game against Alabama and it's tight, I just, I think Jimbo's just one of those people that likes the control. Sure. And mm-hmm. he's going to have to hand that over for the first time in his whole career. I think the other thing with this is say what you want about him as a, for a full season, but like when Jimbo goes up against a Saban, right? Mm-hmm. That's where Jimbo's at his best, mm-hmm. right? That's where he's able to see. At what you know, if like you mentioned, if obviously Jim is going to be in charge of the game plan, right? Overall, but like if the rhythm isn't going right against Alabama, and Jimbo's like, no, 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 this is what we did last year, and it was able to trip them up a couple. T- you know, like right. is is that going to be kind of the power struggle um, uh, that goes on? Because yeah, like, like you mentioned, these are two power, two headstrong head coaches, two personalities that aren't don't rub mm-hmm. people the right way, right? Um, we obviously know that about Jimbo, and that was that's the, been the case everywhere with Bobby Petrino. So. And I guess the other thing uh, along the DJ Durkin lines is you're A&M. You could have hired anybody. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of the most frustrating thing. If I'm an Aggie fan and, you know, I've been seeing a lot of mixed reviews on this, right? A lot of them are like, this is the guy just because you could have gotten anybody. Yeah. Right. The first name that surfaced was Garrett Riley. Right. Mm-hmm. That was like, ooh, hey, hello. And then it was like. That was an or, A&M's choice. Right. right, it right. Was, but still, but still, right. it was more like, oh, that's what they're going for. Right. right? Those sure. type of guys. And I was like, ugh. All right. And the reason they don't get those type of guys is because of Jimbo's reputation. Right. They didn't believe that they would actually. And I think Petrino has enough experience and Mm -hmm. skins on the wall where he's like, well, he's going to let me. I've been a head coach for 14 years. I've done this thing before. We can work together. I think Petrino sees it as a collaborative relationship that he can make work because he's older and has the experience and probably more respect from Jimbo. Sure than a 33-year-old who still hasn't been a head coach before or whatever. So we'll see how it works. But, again, I mean, if this thing goes 10-2, and it's going to work real well. Right. Mm -hmm. If this thing's 3-3 and after the first six weeks, I mean, who knows? Yeah. All right. So, as I mentioned before, we've been off air for a while, so there's been some news that we got to catch you up on. Um, Or, I guess, not catch you up on. You probably know about it, but we'll talk about it. North Texas made a hire, of course. Eric Morris, former OC at Washington State, of course, former, most notably, uh, former head coach at Incarnate Word, uh, have helped build them up from kind of a doormat in the Southland to what GJ Kinney was able to help produce with them last year. So, let's uh, Craven, let's let's go a little bit behind the scenes here because we did not have him on our radar. <laughs> let's be, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody that was reporting this had him on the radar initially. When it came to uh, this this whole head coaching search, it, we thought it was we thought at one point uh, 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 Zach Barnett at uh, Football Scoop said they were zeroing in on Kenny Perry. About an hour later, he was like, "Actually, nope, never mind." And it looked like it was a choice between for a while Kenny Perry and Justin Fuente. Justin Fuente had a relationship with Ren Baker, the former uh, former AD, who was. I don't know how involved he was with the search, but I knew he was like a advisor, maybe a consultant, whatever, to Jared Mosley. Ultimately, Jared Mosley. Bucks his success, uh, his predecessor, and goes with Eric Morris. I 
think it was a really good hire. Um, he's made a couple of a couple of key hires, in my opinion. Two former high school head coaches in Chris Gilbert, uh, formerly of Lancaster, and last year was at Texas, and Drew Sabota from Klein Collins, and formerly he was at Alabama last year. So two former head coaches in the DFW and Houston area, and it's clear that he's trying to wrangle that relationship back because while Seth Latrell was able to get talent, that was kind of one of the main criticisms was that he wasn't necessarily as ingrained in the recruiting scene, mm-hmm. in, especially in Dallas. Um, he's a native Oklahoma guy, and so he 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 kind of where he seeks out. He got out, some guys from yeah. Oklahoma, right? Mason Fine was from Oklahoma, things like that. So I think a lot of the the THSCA crowd and all that would have liked him to be more ingrained around the local scene. He's Eric Morris is making an effort to do that. So um, what were your overall thoughts? You went to the press conference as well, um, Craven? Yeah, I mean, I, from what I know, sources close to Justin Fuente have told me that he turned down that job. Mm, um, that he, he was kind of the first choice on the, ro- on the roster there. He turned it down and then kind of helped them identify some guys um, that, that maybe they could go get to. And I, I think the final two were Garrett Riley, uh, Eric Morris, now, Garrett Riley turned down a $2 million a year contract at Texas A&M to be their OC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Morris is making less than $2 million a year, so we can probably put that math together. Sure, sure. Um, but I, I think Eric Morris was a great hire for North Texas. He has those Texas roots that they were looking for. He's from that Mike Leach tree, the air raid tree that, that's, you know, all the rage right now. Sonny mm-hmm. Dykes at TCU is doing the exact same thing with Garrett Riley, right, in that same similar type of offense. Um, he's been a head coach before with success, right. and he's done more with less. Mm-hmm. You know, at Incarnate Word, that was that was a nothing job. That was a that was a, that was a basement job, great, yeah. right? And he turned them into a ten win, you know, team in twenty twenty one that goes into San Marcos with Cam Ward mm-hmm. and beats Texas State uh, there in week two last year, and, and then you know leads a really good offense at Washington State this year. So he has the chops, he has the pedigree. Sure, he's never been a head coach at the FBS level. Uh, but I think he's going to walk into North Texas and see everything that they have at their disposal in terms of facilities and budget and and all that stuff, and be like, "Wow, man, I've we got a lot to do here." You mm-hmm. know, you're you're close to DFW, and then you hinted on it. I think adding adding Chris Gilbert to that staff uh, was genius. Was mm-hmm. was a was a very smart way to kind of set your roots down in DFW. And you know, I've had this conversation with Gabe Brooks before. You know, you're recruiting DFW against two other private schools. Sure. You know, North Texas should be the People's Republic of DFW, right? Like, it should be the People's University where you can go and get in. Uh, but they don't go to South Dallas as much as they should. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that changes with guys like Chris Gilbert. They're going to go recruit places that don't see TCU, that don't see SMU, that don't see North Texas as much as historically that they should. I know Sonny Dykes changed that at SMU and sure. at TCU and all that kind of stuff. But historically, mm-hmm. SMU wasn't at South Oak Cliff all that often. Right. TCU wasn't at South Oak Cliff all that often. I don't think North Texas was as much as they should. I think they're going to get to those schools, and that's going to be a, a good thing for North Texas. I think the talent level starts to rise. Um, and, but it needs to because yeah. they're, they're moving to the Americans. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think he's already done a good job on the recruiting front. There's been a couple of times where I've seen on Twitter guys committing from Denton Geyer or Denton mm-hmm. Ryan or something like that, and that says a lot that he's able to keep these guys literally at home yeah. in Denton. So I think right. he's already done a good job off to a good start for the yep. 2023 season. Yep, and of course um, them along with Texas State will be hitting this next signing day pretty hard because uh, they got a roster fill out. So mm-hmm. portal, uh, they'll probably see some quarterback sign. They'll probably see some yeah. receivers, things like that. Because um, Austin Ani's off to the NFL. I was about to say, Austin Ani uh, took his name <laughs> out of the portal and then went to, declared for the NFL draft, uh, I believe on his Instagram. So yeah, they got to find a quarterback. Good so for we'll him. see. That's um, awesome. 
Yeah. All right. So last thing I do want to play in this catch up. I'm a fan of TNT and Inside the NBA. And games. And every year, every year, they always run the who he play for, right? Because Charles Barkley doesn't actually pay attention to the league, so he doesn't <laughs> know who anybody plays for. <laughs> he so, does it more for himself. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I have a little, we, we've had a lot happen in the transfer portal. So, I'm going to play with you guys, a little who he play for now. Okay. All right. And this is who he's playing for now. Who he's playing for now. Okay. Not right. before. All right. So, first one. You can play along at home, too, if you want. <laughs> former Texas A&M running back, L.J. Johnson. Where is the former five-star running back now? Either or. I don't know. SMU. SMU, you are correct. Mike Craven. They are loading up on uh, – Yeah, five-star Kamar Wheaton. Yeah. Last yeah. cycle, if he can get healthy, he's got some talent. Four-star L.J. Johnson, who I thought was one of the best running backs in the state when he was coming out yep. a couple years ago. So um, trying to build that run game. Yeah. Preston Stone. And yeah. they would lose Rasheed Rice. So, yeah, that was a great pickup. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Okay. On Christmas Day. Yeah, I saw that, too. That was yeah. actually a nice little gift for them. So, Former Baylor quarterback Kyron Drones. Who he play for now? Mm. Anybody know? Is it in yeah. the state? It is not in the state. I will give yeah. you that. Did he go? Was he one of the Arizona? Did he go out to Arizona? He did not go to Arizona. Okay. No. East Coast. Yeah, I can't. No, I can't. I don't oh. think. one. It would Wake Forest or something? No, he is at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Yeah, Kyron Drones, former Shadow Creek product. Man, I was having that conversation. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Man, we got two more. Let's go. Former Alabama wide receiver JoJo Earl. Oh man, Who I knew this one. Who he play for? He is back home. TC- yeah, 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 he yeah. He's back home. That's at right. TCU, I didn't see that. Fort Worth. Gets a prodigal son yeah. returning. That's awesome. Yeah. That yeah. is a big pickup for You know, I, I think that's been a Sonny Dykes thing his whole career. Mm-hmm. You know, even back to, like, Nick Foles in Arizona. Who also did he bring home? Tommy Brockmeyer. Tommy Brockmeyer. Uh, yep. also I, I think yep. they're going to clean up. Yeah. Like they did at SMU, but sure. at a steroid-type level. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. Um, not because just because you're P5, but you go to national championship year one, right? Like, people are going to come play for you. Yep. Uh, I think they're going to clean up. Um, with the portal on former DFW guys. Yep, I agree. All right, I got one more. I'll throw one more at the end, but this one was the one I had written down. Former Texas A&M quarterback, Haynes King. Where is he at now? Oh, I – where is it? <laughs> I did see this. I just don't remember. I, I, I didn't – this did news see. hit me like five days after it happened. It's, it's, I, a, it's a G5 school, isn't it? it no, it's a Power 5 school. It's Power 5 – okay. It's a Power 5 school, theoretically. <laughs> theoretically. What Craven. conference? I forgot. What conference is it? A- ACC. Yeah, it's very forgettable. I yeah. literally did not know this until I looked it up because I was curious about wh- who was Oh, I, I, I can see his post, too, because I did <laughs> yeah. see it on my timeline. I just don't remember. Georgia Tech. Okay, that's probably why I don't remember. Exactly. It's you, know, like- <laughs> you know why I always forget about Georgia Tech? Why? Because I just think of it as an option team still. Right. You think of it as Paul Johnson. Yeah. And it's like, no, Paul Johnson's what, this, two head what coaches this game, What this game is going to reveal yeah. is if they went to a Texas school, oh, on you it. would know this. Right. right. 100%. I am so Texas-centric because of this job. Right. 100%. I pay is, attention to nothing. Which is why I was mad that he went to Georgia Tech. Right. Like right. Hudson Card went to Purdue. Well. I mean, have fun. Frank Harris Graham made Graham Harrell's going to be yeah. there. Graham Harrell's going to be there with uh, Hudson Card, so have fun at Purdue, but I'm very mad. <laughs> I would have um, gotten that one. Yeah. Okay, last one. Uh, Denver Harris. Transfer from a and Oh, yeah. LSU. LSU. Oh, it is yeah. LSU. Yeah. Yeah. He's so. going to go be a top 10 draft pick. I was about to oh, say, yeah, yeah. he's going to go and 
kick some butt over there. So he's a monster. Well, but there's a uh, some portal news. We still got a bunch still going. Some dudes that have not committed. Uh, we should play this like yet. once a week. If like more uh, news comes, might, it's kind of fun. Um, yeah, we <laughs> just still got guys like day. Devin Sears from Texas State's getting Power Five looks right now. Um, Jake Roberts from North Texas getting Power Five looks. Oh right yeah, now. we got some yeah. guys that are going to be playing some places. Them. So. With that being said, all right, let's close it out real quick with this final power poll. The Mallory, you want to throw it up? Poll. Yeah, give me a second. <laughs> so obviously the team still playing is going to be the number one team in the power poll, right? Yep. Obviously the team that won a conference championship, returning their quarterback, had one of their best years ever again. It's going yeah. next. Yep. Craven, were there any other names in here? I'll run through them for the audio listeners. TCU, UTSA, Texas Tech, Texas, SMU, North Texas, Houston, Baylor, Rice, A&M, UTEP, and my beloved Bobcats at the bottom, Texas State. Craven, was there was this very much pretty much like, nah, this was easy, or were there any teams who were like, uh, high, too high, too low? I did. I I don't know where to put North Texas. Fair. You know, because they, like, they uh-huh. made their conference championship game. <laughs> right. They won seven games. They also fired their coach. <laughs> right. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a jumble of mess right now. <laughs> it's a fan base that cares way too much about bowl game results. And Hi, so, like, it, it me. It's fan <laughs> base yeah. right here. Uh, UTSA, UTSA fans do it, too. I think it's a G5 thing of just not yeah. quite getting the memo that bowl games are exhibitions that don't matter. Sure. Um, just get some free swag and the extra practices for 2023. I will say I think both will be fine once they get the one. I Man, think hopefully. It, I think Because it's the most annoying thing on right. Twitter. I think it's just the fact that they have not won one. <laughs> right. it's, just yeah. like, it's like that one little thing that's yeah. like, I think please. it's – yeah, right, right. I mean, as a UTS – I mean, go win your conference. That's sure. way better sure. than mm-hmm. winning a bowl game that people will forget about in a couple of weeks. Like, who won the Troy UTSA game? You could ask people that right now, and you'd probably get a 50-50 split on right. who, if they even remembered it or not. So sure. how much does it really matter? Um, but I – you know, and then Houston's the other one. Like, at 8-5, and five, they probably should be higher yeah, um, yeah. after winning their bowl game and stuff. But when you go into a season with the expectations of winning 10, 11 games right. and, and maybe breaking into that undefeated type reign and, and getting into the college football playoff, which had they been able to pull that off, they would have. This mm-hmm. would have been a year to get in there, right, with TCU losing, losing in their conference championship, Ohio State not winning their conference they just didn't do it. They weren't yeah. very good. They were inconsistent, especially early on. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to to view Houston any higher. I wouldn't have argued with anybody if they want Houston at six and North Texas at seven. Yeah. I think one of the things that – man, looking forward to Houston. That's going to be such an interesting thing this offseason because they're betting on Donovan Smith kind of being the guy. Yeah. And it's like I think he's a good quarterback, but, like, is that going to be the guy you're going to bank to, like, cruise you into the Big 12, you know, right. things like that. So that's going to be an interesting, interesting team to watch. Um I mean, SMU, UNT played on the field. That one, that one was easy, despite their kind of uh, – SMU finished season fine, so I think that was fair enough. Um, Texas, of course, up and down, but they lost to Tech head-to-head, so yeah. that's not a really hard one at all. I'm excited to see UTSA play in the American. I am too. I'm ex- I'm very excited I'm to see – I'm really excited to see I, that. I, I'm curious to see that talent level because, like, I want right. to see – I think they're pl- – yeah. Just, like, just what it – just, like, up a notch, right? They're not going to the Big 12, but it's just, like, is UTSA – because they should have beat Houston this year. Probably. Mm-hmm. They'll look back at that game and be like, damn, that really got away from us. Well, Craven and I have know. talked about that. Like, if they, if they were to play later in the season, I think – I get oh. UTSA the edge on that. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. So, yeah. That's our final power poll of the year. Uh, Mallory will throw that up on social as well so you can – Please don't come at yell us. Yell at us. Or that. do. Uh, they, they might. There's the just, more, the more the. I mean, look, interaction, I will, the better. Well, I guess. Look, look. This, this is like <laughs> to me the most inarguable poll of the year, because <laughs> like we can just point to so many things and be like, this is why, this is why, this right. is why, this is why. Like we actually have 
results to look at but mm-hmm. they'll find something to be you know and it'll sure. be like we're not worse than so and so it's like that's uh, not what we're saying like, we're we better killed than north rice. texas right like, it's like yeah, yeah. but you never that's mind. not the point <laughs> we're better anyway, than rice yeah <laughs> let's get to the big game let's do it man let's do let's just go right in a it. national title damn preview first off that michigan tcu game top five game i've ever covered in my life mm. i was about to say i bet it like, was and it was the second best semifinal of the day right that's that's insane <laughs> we, we've never had two We've never had to. We so wouldn't have to deal era. with this expansion if this would have been the case the whole time. People would have been I like, know. yeah, no, this is perfect. I know. I hate, I hated that. Um, so, Craven, first, let's, let's actually talk. We're going to get more Alabama-Kansas State games with the expansion <laughs> than. Right. God, you're right. Right. Yeah. 100%. Um, 100%. Craven, let's talk about that game real quick. Uh, because right off the bat, it looked like TCU, I don't say was going to run away with it, but it looked like they shell-shocked Michigan right away. Yeah. And you were like, oh, this is what this game could. Like, I wouldn't yeah. have been shocked if it was 28-10. Right, the final score. You know where this game changed for me? Yeah. The first drive Michigan had, and they go, what, 50 play, fifty yards on the first play, <laughs> just running right up the middle, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah, you were like, right. oh, oh, that's, man, that's Michigan's about back. to yeah. pound this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then a few minutes later, it's fourth and two on the goal line, and Jim Harbaugh decides to go Philly special <sighs> trick play. That was awful. And I think everybody on the TCU's defense went, oh, man, we got them. Mm-hmm. And for the rest of that game, until it just broke open into crazy pants, banana stuff yeah. in, in the second half, Joe Gillespie worked Jim yeah. Harbaugh. Yeah. Right? The former Stephenville High School head coach worked the future NFL guy, the guy who's coaching a Super Bowl and that kind of stuff. Two pick sixes. They were useless in the red zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had three trips. Yeah, another turnover. Uh, right. Two their turnovers next, their in the red zone. trip to the red zone was the turnover. They went to the red zone three times in the first half, came out with three points total. And that was three goal to go situations. Yep. Uh, they TCU scored two defensive touchdowns, um, just an absolute master class. And I just think, you know, we kind of watched it. You know, Ari Wasserman pointed it out when Ohio State and Michigan played, where an Ohio State punted that on that plus mm. field, mm. and then it just went, you know, went downhill from there. Because right. you can feel it as a team. Yeah. All year long, Michigan's been pounding people. Yep. yep. And all week long, they talked about how the three-three-five is soft. Right. And if we, oh, they they line up in that, there's going to be a lot of run play and all this kind of stuff. And they had a chance. Fourth and goal to just run straight up the middle and prove that they are the tougher team, the more physical team, and this is what this next 60 minutes is going to be about. Mm-hmm. And instead they punked out. Yeah. And I think that raised the confidence level of TCU so much. Um, then they're able to go get some points and score and get a lead. And um, then that, that series in the third quarter, because let's, let's remember here, there was, what, 27 points scored in the first half? Yeah. There was 44 points scored in the third quarter. I was about to say that. Thir- I here's here's how I experienced that. It's the that best game. quarter of football I've ever seen in my life. Here's how I experienced that game. I like inadvertently took a nap for like five minutes in the middle because I was mm-hmm. like I planned a nap at halftime and I was like I'm gonna take a nap at halftime. I'll you know it's, it's always like 30 minutes long anyway. And I woke up in the middle of third quarter. I was like, wait, what happened? Like, I was like, oh my god. So <laughs> you I'm woke like, up I in like, another dimension. Usually I'm like slow to get up from a nap. But I like shot up and I was like, oh, let me get everything ready yeah. and like make sure to watch <laughs> this final half because. It exploded, like you mentioned. The last from six thirty-two to the end of the until thirteen minutes left in the fourth quarter. Let's yeah. just go through this. Michigan scores on a thirty-four-yard touchdown pass with four twenty-five. TCU responds with a one-yard run. Two fifty-two left in the third quarter. D winners 
interception return for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. 147, J.J. McCarthy run for a touchdown. 49 seconds left, Max Duggan one yard for a touchdown. Three seconds left, Michigan one yard for a touchdown. 14-13 mm. left in the fourth quarter, another Michigan rushing touchdown. And then 13-07, Quentin Johnson with that 76-yard touchdown pass. My God. It, it was just – it was it was crack cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> like, you were just sitting there like – Huh? You know? I am. I am. And like, as a person who used to keep stats at high school games, right. oh my God, I was so just... thankful for stat broadcast. <laughs> yeah. Because you could just watch it. Right. I'm just shocked that how, like, how offense heavy that this game was. Sure. Because all year Michigan has been such a defense. I mean, their offense has been good. J.J. Sure. McCarthy has been good. But yeah. I don't think they have been defined at all this year really by their offense. It's mm-hmm. been their defense, that mm-hmm. defensive front defensive line edge rushing that's what they've been defined by and tcu made them look crappy <laughs> they heard it all week <laughs> i mean I was like i was that's there right i was correct. there and every question to tcu from a media person that wasn't texas based mm-hmm. was how are you going to handle the physicality of michigan yeah how are you going to handle the toughness of like the it was size it was the all pass rush like the three three five like it was all Basically, just like, are y'all man enough to go play with? You know, that's what right. it was. Right. Uh-huh. And like, you know, those are dudes that are, you know, prideful. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted to go out there and show, you know, who they were. And you know, Paul Gonzalez, the safeties coach at TCU, while we're kind of gathered in the media area after the game, he walks by and goes, "When you write, let them know who they, what conference we play in." Yeah. Because you know, mm-hmm. they were disrespected at every turn. Their style of play, their scheme of play, uh, the conference that they play in, mm-hmm. and you could tell by the time Michigan realized, like, oh, man, we're in a – this is a football game. Right. It was too late. Mm-hmm. And they spotted TCU a 14-point lead. TCU won by six. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think if they play ten times, Michigan is the better team. But that's not what college football is. Mm-mm. I was about to say, yeah. And TCU got them at the right time, and that was a team that was playing with nothing to lose, that felt disrespected all week. And they're going to have to manufacture that again this week. Yeah. Right. Because the same exact thing's happening. Right, and and Sonny said it after the game. Sonny was like, somebody asked him about the disrespect thing, and he goes, and that crap's, and he uses that phrase, he goes, that crap's not going to stop for the next 10 days. We're just going to hear the exact same stuff again. I'd imagine Georgia's smarter about saying it out loud. Right. Yeah. Like the players and stuff are going to remember what conference they play in, Mm -hmm. and they're probably not going to be so quick to talk about the scheme and stuff. Mm -hmm. But everybody thinks the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. The gambling line is 13 and a half. Yeah, I was about to say. For and it's 13 and a half. Game. They gave it at 13 and a half, so you'll bet TCU. Yeah. Right. To get money even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, see, uh, you see Mattress Mac put $1.5 million sure. to TCU. Why not? With man? the points? Or just a win straight up? I think just a win straight up. That's insane. That's uh, You might as well just. Yeah, I need to double check that, but I think just to <laughs> win straight up, that you bet <laughs> 1.5 million. I know, just to throw, you know, throw it out there and be like, yo, I believe in you sort of. Here's yeah, $1. I mean, $1. That, $5 that would turn into about seven million dollars. Right. So I mean, not wild, no. so like, crazy. Let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the preview now, the the game to be, because then you mentioned it later that night. We saw Michigan, Ohio, or the next day, I should say. No, it was later. No, that later night. Yeah, later that. It just felt like that right. because like so long. Um, uh. Michigan and or Georgia and Ohio State played, and in another classic, and I think this. I was watching this game, and the first the once Georgia won that game. It's hard for me to say this, but I felt better, better <laughs> about TCU against Georgia. Really? Yes. I, That's I felt the, yeah, yeah, I felt the opposite. So, so I know I know a lot of people are going to feel like that was Georgia's hiccup, 
right? Mm-hmm. Georgia, you know, they, yeah. they had Mar- they were facing a Marvin Harrison Jr., right? And they couldn't cover him, sure, things like that. I think just something to Georgia struggling with quarterbacks who can improvise. Mm-hmm. And what I did not think Ohio State would be able to do, I didn't think C.J. Stroud would be good improvising. And he was a lot better in that game than I think he'd ever been. That's mm-hmm. how Michigan beat him. That's how every time he's looked – every time he struggled, that's how Michigan beat him last year. He's he, – C.J. Stroud's a very much a script quarterback. If everything's gone to plan, mm-hmm. boom, 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 boom. That was the first game I've ever seen him have to make a run when he doesn't want to, have to make a throw when he doesn't want to, or that's not his first or second read, things like that. And in that game, I was like, Georgia wasn't ready for that. Now, the the counter to that would be they should be ready for they that should against be Max ready. Duggan Ex- yep, because C.J. Stroud hadn't shown that and Max Duggan can. But I'm going to – I go back to that LSU game a little bit where Jaden Daniels had a little bit of success for this versus them. I go back to that Bryce Young game last year where Bryce Young was able to give them some struggles. I still take Georgia outright because I think that defense is too much, especially potentially without Kendry Miller, right? Yeah. I think that's going to be massive. But was I will he say for sure ruled out? He's a, he's questionable. He's questionable. He's questionable. I didn't yeah. know so, if it but was. But still, that's going to be. At, at, he, he's not going to be at his best, right? Say, They're not going to probably give him eighty percent. Kendry Miller. Plus he's going to suit yeah. up and give it a go, I'd imagine. But it's it's yeah. going to be like the second half where he played the first drive and he right. just couldn't go. Right. So I feel better. I don't feel great. Because I think this is the worst matchup. <laughs> I, when when mm-hmm. TCU drew Michigan in the playoff, I was like, "Cool, they got the good. They got the matchup they wanted." Yes. Right? Um, this is not the matchup they wanted. They definitely probably were cheering for Ohio State oh, so, yeah. <laughs> in that so, game. Yes. But I feel better because I do think Max Duggan is the type of quarterback to give them trouble. I don't think he'll throw for 300 yards and run for 150. But what I'm saying is he could sneak around and all of a sudden, like Georgia forgets about him and it's like, "Wait, why? Why is he getting 30 yards?" Right? Because we're not expecting. Yeah, I'm just thinking he could, they could kind of finagle some things out of this game. I'm going to scheme Dorcas a little bit here. Go for it. What I worry about, TCU's offensive line is pretty good. Yeah. They're excellent guard-to-guard. Guard. Yeah. They are average at the tackle position. Mm. Michigan's best two defensive players were the defensive tackles. So sure. that was a strength-on-strength matchup. Mm-hmm. You could scheme your way around it, and that running game had a lot. DeMarcado had 150 yards rushing as a backup sure. in that game, right? They ran the ball a lot. Georgia has defensive ends that Michigan does not. I was about to say, yeah. They've and got a whole defensive line. Right. Well, Michigan yeah, and those had. ends like, are, are really, really good. And so if you're Garrett Riley, do you use a linebacker? Do you use a tight end to help with the defensive end? Do you use mm-hmm. a tailback to help with the defensive end? Do you, how, can you, do you just spread them all the way out and right. then go quick game? Right? Because they struggled against Texas and their defensive sure. ends. Sure, mm-hmm. that's right. And these Georgia defensive ends are – you know, three or four rounds better mm-hmm. in the NFL draft yeah. than, than those Texas ones were. Um, and so that that's where that's the matchup to me that concerns me the most. How does TCU block the defensive ends of Georgia? And by doing so, what do they have to sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Is it a running back in the passing game? Is it a slot receiver that has to become a tight end that stays, that chips? Is it not doing the vertical down the th- threat stuff to Quentin Johnson because you just don't have that kind of time? Sure. What do you give up to block those defensive ends? Because it's going to take 30, 40 points to win this game. You're not going to win this game 24 to 17, I don't think. Right. You're just not going to do it. Georgia's going to score some points. We think of TCU as the offensive team, Georgia as the defensive team. You know, Georgia average, averages about the same points per game. This isn't the 39.4 points per game. Right. right. This so isn't the right same there. Stetson Bennett as right. we were questioning. They just last beat Ohio year. State right. in a shootout. Yeah. Um, so you're not going to win this 14 to 7. You're going to have to score some points. Yeah. How do you go about doing that if your tackles can't handle the edge pressure of Georgia? 
Yeah. I mean, you're facing Jalen Carter, who's going to be a top five pick probably. Um, it's probably up to him or Tyree Wilson in terms of like the first lineman off the board. Yeah. Um, all their – probably their front seven, like <laughs> most of their front seven is probably going to go uh, first round. So, yeah, it's going to be – I think we're – we're gonna see a lot of a lot of creativity because yeah, twice in that Michigan game, and I will I will be stunned if we don't see this again. Twice in that Michigan game, Garrett Raleigh called that shallow screen, and that scored twice. Right, one of them was in the I forgot who it was to in the red zone, but it was a Max Duggan. Looked like he had nowhere to throw, and he kind of underthrew it, and or not underthrew, but I kind of underarmed it, and the receiver was there, shallow screen below, uh, behind the line of scrimmage, touchdown. And then of course the second one was to Quentin Johnston. Yeah. We're gonna see that play. I. I would hope no less than like five times yeah. because they need to get, they're going to need to absorb that pressure and have them think that Quinn and have Quinn Johnson sneak around, find something to get him open. Cause man, the secondary, they're not last year's secondary. They're not, they're yeah. not as excellent, right. right. As they, they don't were. have Lewis sign. Right. Secondary. Right. But they're still George. They're still a Georgia secondary. If okay. you would like a one-on-one football matchup to watch in this game, mm-hmm. Quentin Johnson versus Keely Ringo. Yes. Fantastic, man. That's going to be – I'm telling you, they need Skycam. Like right. the ESPN Watch or whatever, mm-hmm. they need a Skycam view because you should be able to see the matchups. That's what I was pissed about during Ohio State-Georgia when I was watching those receivers go against that secondary. I was like, I want to see those matchups go, ba- uh, go at it. But, yes, 100%. I think they're going to find some creative ways to get Quentin Johnson open with that shallow screen because they're going to need to. They're, yeah. they're, he's – I don't know how every team seems to lose where Quentin Johnson is. <laughs> it happened against Michigan where he's just deep and all of a sudden he's wide open. Georgia's the one team I'm going to guarantee that's not going to happen. Uh, against, yeah. Right? Where it's going to be like there's not going to be a confusion in coverage or whatever, and he's going to be wide open. Right? They're going to have bracket coverage on that dude every time he steps past the first down marker. So, so does it yeah. concern you or or give you uh, more confidence that they were able to beat Georgia with Max Duggan going 14 of 29 with two interceptions? Because, like, my thing is, like, they beat Michigan with him completing under 50% of his passes and throwing two picks. And, like, on one hand, you can go, look, man, they just beat an undefeated Big Ten champion without their quarterback playing all that well through the air. Uh, On the other hand, you're like, well, they can't do that against Georgia. Like, he's going to have to have a better day than that. Because you're not going to run the ball like that against a Kirby Mm -hmm. Smart defense. Right. He'll put 14 people in the box. Right. Like, he'll put himself in the box. (laughs) Right. Right? Like, you're not going to do that against Georgia. They'll go down losing, Mm -hmm. but, like, it won't be because you just, like, pound on them or whatever. That's a good point. And TCU did that. They had 41 carries for 273 yards. Like, Mm -hmm. they pounded on them. They only threw the ball 29 times. Yeah. Um, and so, and of course, they, you, you can also look at the fact they got two defensive touchdowns. Right, too, two right? defensive touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns. That's five, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, this one feels like a Max Duggan game. Like it has this, to. this, yeah, this like has, has to, to be. be. Yep. And he wasn't all that great against Kansas State. Nope. He played well late to kind of get him back in there, but he missed a lot of throws. Mm-hmm. And he missed a lot of throws against Michigan. He did. And he did. so he's going to have to kind of come back to that middle of the year, end of the year run, Max Duggan, where he was doing everything because it's going to take a Herculean type effort from him to beat this Georgia team. I think so. I think that, especially with Kendra Miller out potentially, right. or right. definitely not. 100%. You're going to rely on him for a lot of the run game too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Amari DiMarcato did a great job, right? He had that big run um, in the second half, but it, obviously that putting that all on him against anybody, right? If he starts against Michigan and he's the only guy, they're probably not going to have the same success mm-hmm. in the run game against them. But yeah, it's going to be, it's going to have to be a Max Duggan affair. Um, and that's, and again, that's why I go back to like why I feel a little slightly better 
is because he's at his best when he can freelance a little bit, mm-hmm. right? When the pocket breaks down a little bit, he can step outside and he can either choose to make that five-yard run or dump it off or whatever. He's known to be good in those situations. The, the, the challenge for them will be, will, be, will be those downs where he's not asked to improvise, right? Can he look at the field as is, see a matchup, trust his guy to make that, and then trust his arm to make a throw, right? Because if he's not thinking about it too much, boom, wheeling, dealing, you know, you take what you get, right? If he throws a pick, he throws a pick. If he throws a 60-yard bomb, he throws a 60-yard bomb. But to me, it's when those moments aren't happening, right? Mm-hmm. When the pocket may be a little cleaner and he sees a, thro- a throw that maybe is a, 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 what I call a big boy throw, right? Stetson Bennett made some big boy throws late in that game for Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. Some of those throws, Mac, I guarantee you, like, look, go look at that last drive from Stetson Bennett. Max Duggan's going to have to make some of those type of throws where the window is seconds. And that's going to be the difference. And so, yeah. He's got to be like C.J. Stroud was. Exactly. He's mm -hmm. going to have to play that kind of game. Yeah, he's going to have to play that kind of game. So, man, let's just say this. We didn't expect him to be here, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) At the beginning of the year, if you would have told us one team from this state was playing for a national title, we probably would have been like, Huh, AM had a pretty good Texas year. Texas huh? AM, yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> it's like, man, AM did it, huh? Or like Tech or Quinn Ewers took the world by storm, right? That's my, what, I guess my pick would have been like Houston went undefeated. Oh, sure, yeah. That, that's right. the other one, right? Houston, man, they, they did it. They, they broke through the G5 barrier. Wasn't TC would have been sixth, seventh on your list of teams, mm-hmm. right? I yep. probably would have picked UTSA to upset and get into, this, <laughs> get into the New Year's Six and be like, oh, they beat Houston. Blah, blah, blah. That is a good one, right? Like right. If, if we go back to August yeah. and we go, okay. Rank the teams that you yeah, expect. Like here, like how far down would you have gone before you got to TCU? I almost guarantee that I would have picked UTSA before TCU. <laughs> I know. Because no like, it would have been like, yeah. They, they went 13-0. They beat they, Texas They beat Texas, Houston, and all that stuff. Like right. That's so right, that's funny. Would not have been on my radar. Um, how many how many wins did you have them in the magazine? <laughs> have them at six. yeah, I'm six and six. <laughs> six. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Hell yeah! But the over crazy. the over the over under win total for Vegas was six and a half. Right. Well, here's the thing. What Golly. Were they, the, they picked in the Big Twelve? Seventh. 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 Yeah. So it's like no one. There's only ten teams. Expected that one of those is Kansas. <laughs> right. No one, one of the other ones this. is West Virginia. West Virginia. <laughs> Not one expected this. So, hell. They have the 32nd most talented roster for 24-7 football team. I was about to say, this is, that's one more hit that uh, uh, I think Bud Elliott on 247 hinted at it. TCU has a chance to do something that we have not seen in a long time, which is break the five-star barrier. Yep. yep. What he, I think he said every year in the playoff era, in the, since the 2000s, every national champion has had – more than 50% of their rosters, four, four and five-star players. Mm-hmm. TCU is 23%. Yeah. Yeah, they their, their blue-chip ratio is the lowest. Yes. Of. And so now before anybody gets on their high horse, n- yes, you need four and five-stars to win national championships. And that's not what I'm saying, right? When I say st- when people say stars don't matter, no, they do. Trust me, we 100%. have history. But what TCU <laughs> could potentially do here is simply buck a trend, and that's – entertaining as hell in and of its own self, right? It's Leicester City winning the title. Not that big of an underdog story, but it is that type of story that we love to see in sports. You don't love to see the script play out every single time. You want to know some numbers? To Ooh, add- go for it. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Georgia has 68 players on their roster that were either four or five-star guys. Mm-hmm. 15 of them were five-star. TCU has 17 four- and five-star players on their roster. So Georgia almost has as many five-stars on their roster as, as, as TCU four has four- star. and five-stars on their roster. Oh Only one five-star on TCU's roster, 16 four-stars. And that's out of 79 players. 
My so gosh. real quick math, it's yeah. 62 three stars or below playing for, for a national championship. My it's something that's honestly never happened. Yeah. To add to this craziness, TCU was unranked at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Have yep. we ever seen an unranked national champion, preseason unranked national champion? Not in this era. Yeah. I mean, like Cincinnati yeah. was unranked last year, I believe, or one of the teams was, last year. Was Cincinnati made, unranked? One of the teams Maybe that so. made the playoff last year. Maybe it was Michigan. Uh, was was unranked going into the year, um, and they lost in the first the first semifinal. Right. So right. We'd have to probably go back to pre BCS unless I'm just thinking of something ob- missing something obvious. I think we'd have to go back to pre BCS. Maybe like a Notre Dame or something. We'd, I don't know. we'd have to go. Uh, Notre Dame's ranked. Regardless, <laughs> like they they could bring back two players. Right. And yeah. Get ranked in the pre- it's like Texas, you know. Yeah. And Sonny yeah. spent some time talking about that. In T- at, at uh, in Arizona about mm-hmm. how like TCU is trying to become one of those helmets that just gets respect sure. off the bus, right? You know, like it's a Texas like, and a Notre right, Dame, right? Like right. Texas, right. like Texas, can go five and seven and then be third in the preseason poll the next year, <laughs> right. right? Like, yeah. I mean, A and M does it now, right? And mm-hmm. like TCU is trying to get into that echelon of like never being seventh in the Big Twelve preseason poll again because you just assume they're going to be good. Yep. Um, and yeah, so TCU is going to lose Kendra, or uh, Quentin Johnson and Max Duggan, and they're going to be like, oh, unranked. Right. right. Not yeah, even yeah, ranked next right. year. Like, how much you want to bet they are not going to right. be ranked next no, they year? They will be now <laughs> because be, they've gotten this far. Right, right. And, right. That, and that's, what, that's what he wants to start happening, where yeah. it's like we're just year in, year – because this, this game is all about perception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where you start early on the year kind of determines where you are at the end of the year, right? right? Like Ohio State starts at 17 and they lose that one game to Michigan. They're not in, they're not in college football playoff, right. yep. but they start at third, you know? And so uh, what we think these teams are tends to matter more, or at least as much as what they end up being. Yeah. And TCU wants to become one of those programs that's thought of as one of the best in the nation. Winning against Michigan helps that, obviously. But if they can go in and just play a really good game with this one, make this one tie, I think it really does kind of eliminate it for TCU. And it also hopefully helps the Big 12 perception Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Because Texas and Oklahoma leaving felt like a death nail for that conference a year ago. Right. You flash forward, you know, July. Yeah. You know, we're like, what's going to happen with the Big 12? How are they ever going to compete? What are they ever going to do without Texas and Oklahoma? Well, Oklahoma's not good. Texas is barely average, and TCU's playing for a national title game. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think this was a ever. big win for, for the Big 12 this yeah. year. It's been Tech, a good six months. Yeah, Tech has his best year since Mike Leach. Yeah, beat uh, Ole Miss. Last year's title game was two teams that are going to be here. So, like, right. you know, Kansas is even looking up. Kansas, yeah, I was about to say, you're at, and then you're adding teams like Houston with potential, right? Yep. You know, we'll talk about what Houston mm-hmm. is now, but potential there, be BYU, Cincinnati, like you have teams with momentum coming yeah, in. Gus Malzahn and UCF. Yep. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think the Big 12 is fine. They're not the SEC. They're not the Big 10, but sure. that's okay. I, I think they're like right this there. Time, this time last year we were thinking about, oh, we were like, oh, man, Big 12. Like, are they even going to exist? Right. right. right? Is, well, they just be the Big Pac-12 right. or whatever. Exactly. Um, so, so, yeah, I think it's been a great – I mean, your mark being hired was, uh, was yes. a great start. Mm-hmm. That guy's, I think, is a genius. Yeah. I think he's going to be awesome for that for that conference. And then TCU making this run, you know, because mm-hmm. if this was Oklahoma or Texas, it'd look bad. Yeah. Oh, exactly. 100%. You know, so, uh, yeah, I, th- I think TCU's got a lot riding on it. The Big 12 stuff, the first-year head coaching stuff, first team since the, from the state of Texas to play for a national title since 2009. Crazy. You know, That's I was awesome. born in 85. There's only been two teams from this state to play for a national title. It was the Vince Young Championship in 2005 and then the Colt McCoy loss in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's only six national titles ever in the state of Texas. Four of them are Texas. One of them is TCU. One of them is A&M. TCU's 38. A&M's 39. You know, since 1940 40, on, yeah. 
we've had one team in this state win a national title. Yep. And TCU's playing for one. And um, point, so that's a big deal. We're starting mm-hmm. to get to the point where it's kind of aging us, but it's like we're starting to get to the point where people don't remember that national title with Texas. Yeah, right? None of these the high kid, school kids. The kids. I was about to say, yeah, none, the of these recruits. Hi, none of these recruits were alive. Yeah. Um, I'd have to think. Like, I'm not very good at math. I'd, I'd say, they, like, they'd probably be like, f- I mean, gosh, maybe. Like Quentin like Johnson was like four. Four. Right. You know, to me, it would be the five. relationship I have to like the I was Cowboys. Like Ten Super or nine. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, oh yeah, that happened. Right. Like, I don't remember that. Right. You know? yeah. It's not something I was raised on. So yeah, it's it's You've just been man. told about it. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, that seems cool. You've seen the like, highlights. That right. team was good back in the day. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting, man. This is gonna be fun. You head out to L.A. Uh, Sunday. Sunday. So that'll be awesome. Cover a national damn championship game. <laughs> this is wild, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm still covering football, January tenth. Look at that. Awesome. All right, <laughs> so that will do it for us. Um, we'll we'll probably do. I mean, well, let me first plug this. Uh, Monday night after the title game, I'll be doing the other Twitter Spaces. Um, we'll see if we do something during the game. I don't know. I've talked about maybe a watch. We won't be able to stream the game, obviously, but I've pitched around the idea of, an, of a, a watch along. We'll see. I don't know, but what will Ooh, hop- happen like certainly that. will be a post game Spaces uh, through DCTF on Twitter. Um, I'll be there just hanging around. I'll take some questions, things like that. I did it on a, on a whim uh, after the playoff game. Went really well. Uh, answered a couple questions from some people, and it was really cool to kind of get everybody's initial kind of reaction in the midst of the hype. So we'll be doing that. Also, look Friday, TexasFootball.com. We'll have something ready to go. Uh, it's going to be a little little something for TCU. But, um, yeah. And, then of course, all of Mike Craven's stories, he has more coming out as the game approaches. TexasFootball.com, all that stuff. With that being said, we, oh, I don't know how many coaches we have not interviewed now because we replaced a couple. Ten of the 13. Ten of the eventual 13. Uh, I guess it's official now. Uh, yeah. It's the same Houston's now. Ten of the official uh, 13 head FBS head coaches. Uh, still Jimbo Fisher, give us a call because I yeah. think we'll get G.J. Kinney and Eric Morris. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll get those before we get Jimbo Fisher. No doubt. Uh, yeah, because uh, you got some explaining to do as well. And as usual, great season. Rutgers, go Rutgers. <laughs>